Hi, I'm Eric, and I'm a member of 7pm in Kirribilli, and this reading comes from 2 Samuel chapter 22 through to chapter 23, verse 7, and this can be found on page 279 of the Black Bibles in your chairs. 2 Samuel chapter 22. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people you save me. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swelled about me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called to the Lord, I called out to my God. From his temple he heard my voice, my cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, the foundations of the heavens shook, they trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him. The dark rain, the clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of breath from his nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. You, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his ways are perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. His shields, he shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving my help, my shield. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. 
I pursued my enemies and crushed them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them completely and they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I pounded and trampled them like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the peoples. You have preserved me as the head of nations. People I did not know now serve me. Foreigners cower before me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be my God, the rock, my savior. He is the God who avenges me, who puts the nations under me, who sets me free from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man, you rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. These are the last words of David. The inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse. The utterance of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, When one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made me an everlasting covenant. Arranged and secured in every part, surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire. But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns, which are not gathered with the hands. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or a shaft of a spear. They are burned up where they lie. Good morning. It's great to be with you, and I'd love to uh, pray as we look at this final section of our Life of David series. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, thank you that you've given us your word. Thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit. And today, as we listen to you, would you please impress it deeply on us for your glory, for your name, for your fame. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, there was this beautiful video that kind of went viral online, which was of a tribe in West Papua receiving the New Testament, the whole New Testament, in their heart language for the first time. They're called the Kimyal people. They'd had fragments of the Bible, but this was the first time they had the whole New Testament. And a plane had to fly the boxes of Bibles in. They were unloaded off the plane. There was a big procession of the tribal group coming to receive them in the traditional dress. And as they unloaded them off the plane, can you guess what they did? Did they pop a bottle of champagne? Did they blow up some balloons? Did they uh, cut a ribbon? Did they engrave a plaque? No, they didn't do any of those things. They stopped to praise God. 
just going to put the photo up on the screen of the leader praising God. And this is what he said. Oh God, oh God, the plan which you had from the beginning regarding your kimyals, which already existed in your spirit, the month that you had set, the day that you had set has come to pass today. You looked at all the different languages and chose which ones would be put into your word. You thought that we should see your word in our language. You have placed it here in our land. And for all this, O oh God, I give you praise. It's an amazing video. It's worth watching. In the light of God's grace, we return praise to him. I want to ask you today, do you praise God? Is that something that you do in your personal prayer life? Is it something that you're happy to do here at church? Is it something you do in the wider community that you just speak positive things about God? Well, today we're considering David's song of praise. It comes at the end of his journey and just before his final words, which we'll look at as well. And we're going to look at what I want to call today the anatomy of a song of praise. So when do we sing praise? What do we sing praise for? And who is it that sings praise? That's the three questions we're going to answer today. So let's start with the question, when do we sing praise? And have a look with me at chapter 22, verses 1 and 2 of 2 Samuel. Notice what David, sorry, notice when David sang. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. This song comes from David's mouth after God's rescue of him. And that's true of praise, isn't it? Uh, when, when rescue happens, then praise follows. Remember a few years ago, I was in the children's ward of a hospital and looked at this big board and it was, had all these photographs of children and cards attached to them. And some of the photos were really confronting kids with tubes down their throat, with their skin looking grey, just looking really sick. But the cards attached to them were so positive. They were full of praise for the staff at the hospital. Uh, you helped us in our time of need. You are angels and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We can never pay you back. The babies had been saved and so... The parents wanted to give praise to those who'd helped them. Praise naturally follows rescue. Praise for God comes when we know that he's rescued us. And for David, that was from the hand of his enemies, from the hand of Saul. For us, we know God has rescued us from sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Our entire lives as Christians are post-rescue. They come after God's work of saving us. And so our entire lives as Christians are lives of praise. Because in our past, we know what God has done for us. It's possible to be part of a church community to, uh, to kind of walk a little bit uh, like a Christian, but still not be engaged in the praise. And I would say the first step to 
membership in the church is to know the rescue of God for you. That you personally say, I know that God has saved me. I know that my sins have been dealt with, that I have been rescued from the guilt and penalty and power of sin through Jesus' work at the cross. But the second part of it is that you then respond with praise, with words that declare that Jesus is Lord, that he is good, that he's been gracious to you. And you do it in song, in word, in uh, prayer, in uh, small groups, in big groups. You do it privately, you do it publicly, you do it in the community, in the church, everywhere. So when do we sing praise? The answer for David was we, when rescued from Saul and from his enemies. And for us, it's when we've been rescued from sin in Jesus. Second question is this, what do we sing praise for? What do we sing praise for? I'm not sure that uh, the song, uh, song we've just heard from King David would be one we'd sing in church today. There's no chorus, there's no verse, there's no key change, there's no musical techniques, uh, but David makes up for it all with the content. It's a multifaceted song of praise about God's character and God's works, and he just goes to town on these things. It's first of all, the character of God. Verse 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. Often we want to look to ourselves as the rock of our little life and have other people be able to depend on us and say, I'm strong and I'm going to keep going. But David doesn't do that. He looks away from himself to God as the rock. And he says, I'm going to shelter in God, who's the one who is the unmovable one, who is the one who I can depend on, my fortress. A number of years ago, I did the main range walk at Kosciuszko, and it was early autumn with a couple of friends. I'm not much of a bushwalker, but my friend said, let's do it, and halfway through, we got caught in a huge blizzard unexpectedly, and the visibility was low, the snow was up to our knees. My pants froze stiff because I had the wrong kind of pants on. I had just sneakers on. It was, uh, it was unexpected. We kept walking to the base of Kosciuszko where there's a hut called Seaman's Hut. And we went in and spent the night in there, safe from the storm. Uh, we were rescued by the shelter. Often in the Christian life, we want to pray, God, take away the storm, take away the trial, take away the problem. And God says to us, no, the trial's going to come, but I will be your place of refuge. I'll be the one you can depend on through it. God is not distant like the God of deism. He's not conflicted like the God of pluralism. He's not impotent like the gods of idolatry. He's not unpredictable like the god of Islam. God 
is the one who is present and consistent and invites us to take refuge in him. Do you see the gospel promises as a shelter over your life? Do you see the presence of God as the walls around you? Do you see God's character as like a well-stocked cupboard providing you for every need that you have? The next thing we praise God for is that he helps people. At the end of verse 3 we read, From violent people you save me. And also see verses 4 to 7. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. David's in absolute distress. He feels like he's going to die. And in, in that state, he turns to God. He calls out to God to protect him. Now, David was the hand-picked leader of the nation of Israel, 1000 BC. And I don't need to tell you today that that's not you or me. God protected David especially for his task of leading the nation of Israel. And yet, God promises that he will sustain us as well. In 1 Corinthians 13, he tells us, when we are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that we can endure it. That's a promise that God will, will, will enable us to get through the trials. Maybe you feel like crying out to God like David did. Maybe you do feel like death is being wrapped around your ankles at the moment. Maybe you're in the pit of despair. Maybe you even think, I don't know if I can go on with this God thing for much longer. We'll see verse 7. In my distress I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. Often at home, um, my two kids come up to me and say, Dad, 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 we want to play. We want to play a game. Come and play with us. Let's go outside. Let's do this. And uh, Sarah says to me, Josh, are you listening? Can you hear what they're saying? <laughs> but be assured that God is not like that. <laughs> it's more like he is on his knees looking you in the eye ready to hear what you have to say, ready to respond. And when we know that God is like that, it's a wonder that we don't pray more, isn't it? God doesn't just have empathy on us, though, when we pray to him. He does something. Verse 14, the Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy with great bolts of lightning. He routed them. When I was at Bible college, I had a little office next to a primary school and often towards the end of the week on the Friday afternoons, the school was descending into chaos and I could hear the, the students going crazy and one of the teachers would often pick up a microphone and start telling people what to do. 
through the microphone. So I'd hear, Matthew, please pick up that rubbish. Or Libby, where is your hat? Or Justin, I saw that. Please come here now. And it just boomed through the whole suburb. And I could imagine the kids hearing their voice, hearing their name being called out and just stopping and dropping what they're doing and listening. Well, God, when he thunders from heaven, he arranges things according to his plan in this world. He stops the enemies of Israel in their tracks and he does the same thing for us spiritually, that when you depend on him, that there is nothing too strong that uh, God can't help you to endure as his child and keep going with him, that there is no sin so powerful that the power of God at work in you will not help you to overcome. The next thing is that we praise God for his work within us. Now, David's made some big mistakes. We have seen that throughout this series. He's committed adultery. He's murdered. He has lied to the nation. He's misused his power. He's gone off the rails at points. But remember what Nathan the prophet said to him back in chapter 12, verse 13. The Lord has taken away your sin. David had come back to the Lord and confessed and owned up to his sin. Nathan says, it's gone. It's not to be spoken of anymore. Sometimes we see ourselves as Christians with a lopsided view. You know, we, we only see ourselves as unfaithful, as lost, as hopeless. And by ourselves, that is true, friends. That's true. But it's also true how God sees us in Christ as pure, as forgiven, as sanctified, justified, holy, beloved children of God. And David sees himself now through God's eyes, the way that God sees him. See verse 25, the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. And see also verse 29, you Lord are my lamp, the Lord turns my darkness into light. So are you aware of how God sees you as a Christian in Christ? Are you able to see yourself that way? because of the blood of Jesus, that you have had a fresh start, a blank canvas, that every sin is nailed to the cross, that all the punishment due to you has been poured out on him, that your record is wiped, that just like David, that you're now holy before God. And that's something to sing about, isn't it? We also praise God because he brings justice. Verse 38. I pursued my enemies and crushed them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them completely and they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. Now this must be one of the most confronting parts of Christianity, that there is judgment from God. 
and that God is a just judge to those who would oppose him and persist in evil. God is angry at injustice and evil and sin. C.S. Lewis said it this way, that there are two kinds of people, those who say to God, your will be done, and those to whom God says, your will be done. In other words, if you would refuse the kindness of God, if you would turn away from what he wants to give to you, then eventually God would allow you to meet him as the judge, although he is reluctant to do that, so reluctant. In the Old Testament, God uses Israel as his chosen nation to bring about his justice. And part of that is destroying those who would persist in evil. This is extremely confronting. It's, it, it, it's God bringing his judgment in real time on, on those who, who've turned their backs on him. But it is right, isn't it, that God is angry at evil? Would we want a God who was indifferent about the evil that happens in this world? Would you want to worship that God? Remember in David's day, the nations were not democratic, modern states. This was a brutal world of sexual violence and all kinds of abuse and infanticide and child sacrifice and prostitution and and mistreatment of women and children, and the list goes on. God was angry at the nations, and he brings his justice through the nation under David's leadership as the king. He brings judgment. And we still see this in our world today. We, we still see this need for justice. On Facebook, I follow a pastor's wife uh, who lives in Ukraine. And her posts have gone viral since the start of the war. Recently she wrote of waking up all the way through the night to a thunderstorm, thinking that her city was being shelled. She said, I'm writing this and listening to the rain and ongoing thunder. I am choking on tears, maybe tears of tiredness, but mostly angry tears. On the 125th night of war, I feel tired and angry and I cry. And she quotes from Lamentations in the Bible. She says, chapter 3, verse 64, Pay them back what they deserve, Lord, Pay uh, for what their hands have done. God isn't incompetent or unable to deal with the evil in the world and he will deal with it on the final day that he is set but he is waiting for more people to come to him before he sends his son back to establish that whole new world order, to establish a whole new humanity, a whole new human condition through the resurrection of Jesus for those who would come to him and bow the knee to him as king. Our God is a God of justice, and that's actually something worth praising him for. And finally, we give praise for the anointing that God gives. 
David finishes his song with these words, verse 51. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. In Christ, the ultimate anointed one has come. And we are now spiritual descendants of King David because of his son, Jesus, who has brought us into the kindness of God. I want to ask you today, have you known the kindness of God? Do you know the kindness of God? Because it is available to you in one place, in Jesus Christ. Today, if you would come to him, you can receive forgiveness. You can receive a relationship with God free of charge, charged to the account of Jesus. And you can go today from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God because the kindness of God is given to David and his descendants forever. And that is us if we are in Christ. And when you know all these things about God, this array of things, it's actually hard not to praise him, isn't it? Well, the final question this morning is, who is it that sings praise? Who is it? And it's God's king. In chapter 23, 1 to 7, we have David's last words. And we don't have time to think about these in detail, but the thing I want you to notice is in verse 1. These are the last words of David, the inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse, the utterance of the man exalted by the Most High. David was well acquainted with God's work for him, and that made him praise God. You know, maybe like me, you sometimes struggle to praise God, and we struggle to praise because our view of God struggles. What do we need? Like David, we need the word of God. We need the spirit of God. See verse 2. The spirit of the Lord spoke through me, says David. His word was on my tongue. Praise is the language of those who know they've received God's grace. And as we search the scriptures and the Holy Spirit impresses these things onto our hearts, it turns us into grateful, praising people just like David. Wouldn't it be amazing if every morning our first thought was, I praise you, God. I praise you for life. I praise you for sleep. I praise you for food. I praise you for the grace you've given me. Praise you for who you are, your consistency, your faithfulness. Wouldn't it be great to finish the day with the same kind of words? I praise you, God, for this day. I praise you for everything you've given. It's all from you. It's all going back to you. It's all for your glory. I praise you. Wouldn't it be great that when we meet people, we say, I just have to tell you about what God has done for me. He is so good. Uh, his grace is so amazing. Can I please tell you about it? To have lives that are full of praise. We actually know so much more than David. He knew what God had done for him, what God had done for Israel all those years ago. And we now know that God has set David's son, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, on the throne of the kingdom forever. And so we receive eternal blessings in him. That causes us to praise God. Praise the Lord. Let's sing. Let's pray and then we'll sing. (laughs) Father, we praise you today for your grace to us. We praise you for your son. We praise you for your promise. Praise you for everything that you give and for all of who you are. Father, help us to have lives of praise as we have lives that reflect on you and your word. We pray that your spirit might take that word and plant it deeply in us so that our mouths overflow with appreciation for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.